As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, hey welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to Dose of Leadership. Woody Bank sponsored podcast today. David English is on the show. He's a vice president at a company called AdTrend Outdoor Advertising. It was really fun to talk to him. I, mean, I didn't know much about billboard advertising, outdoor advertising. And you would think it was based on uh, if you're not a layman or not involved in the, the from an outsider looking in, that this is an industry that's on its way down and dying. But uh, David proved to me that wrong, that it's not. It's actually growing. Plenty of opportunities. And particularly the way that you look at this business. I love his mindset, his ability to kind of pivot in the entrepreneurial mindset. And again, his ideas about leadership are worthy of note. He is an experienced sales manager. He's a sales leader. He's consistently increased revenue, decreased costs, and improved the quality of the work environment with his positive attitude, the way he looks at leadership. His experience of management, of growing sales uh, and sales groups, He's built sales by focusing on the customer first, which makes sense. An exemplary customer service. It's one of his pet peeves is customer service, which again attributes to his success and all a building block to leading him to be the type of leader he is now. And he's got experience both in the corporate environment and the entrepreneurial front, running small businesses. Gives him that foundation, that well-rounded understanding of business and leadership in general. And I get that is from my takeaway from the conversation is a reason why he is successful in this, what he's doing. And it's the type of leader that uh, we talk about here exclusively on Dose of Leadership, the type of leadership we're trying to um, become. And that's what I got out of this conversation. He's got experience wearing many hats. And uh, again, I think a requirement of leadership is the ability to wear different types of hats, uh, pivot, Know what your strengths are. And that's another thing I noticed about talking with David is self-awareness, knowing what he's good at, knowing what he's not. And he plays in the strength zone, which we talk about on this show. It's so critical that you play in your strength zone. Be aware. Self-awareness is so critical in leadership. That's one thing that David seems to understand as well. His understanding of how to efficiently run a business as, as a proven uh, track record of success and it allows him to see success year after year. And I really think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation, getting into his mindset and to see what it takes and how all of us can improve in our leadership ability. 
That's David English. He's a great example. All right. This show is brought to you by Equity Bank. Proud to have Equity Bank sponsor this series going on almost 20 months now. And Equity Bank is certainly a bank that understand what it means to efficiently run a business. They really do cater towards that entrepreneur or someone who's working in business. They know what it's like. They understand the trials and tribulations. And it's been exciting to watch them grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They're now listed on the NASDAQ exchange. They got locations all across Kansas, as well as Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas. And clearly this team at Equity Bank, in my opinion, knows how to lead for growth. And so if it feels like your current bank is just kind of more of a follower, they don't really understand your situation, and you want to work with a bank that really understands your needs, then check out my friends at Equity Bank. Go to equitybank.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Now let's join our conversation with Dave, David English, the Vice President at AdTrend Outdoor and Advertising here on Dose of Leadership. David, thanks for coming on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Hey, you know, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I love your podcast. I've been listening for a while. Uh, it means a lot. I know we were talking before the recording that you'd listen to uh, the podcast. You're a podcaster yourself, and, but you and I were both talking about the power of podcasting. Um, I love it. I think it's a, it's a great way to connect. And you seem like a connector based on looking at your, your past and, and a little bit talking to you in this pre-recording. How important are relationships to you? I think they're essential for everything. I mean, I... Um, I think that if, if you don't have a solid group of, uh, in, of connections and if you're not continually making connections along the way, um, it's just, you, you get kind of stagnant. I mean, you've got to have those solid relationships in your life, but you've got to be okay reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, you know, sir, Matt, ma'am, and you're someone I want to meet. You have information I want to know, and you've got to be able to put yourself out. Yeah. So sales is, has sales always been your passion? You seem like you're, you're very successful at it. You've been, certainly uh, a track record of sales success. And then, but now you're also managing and, and developing sales leaders. How did you get involved in it? Yeah. I, I don't know that sales was always my passion. I just always uh, knew I had a knack for developing relationships with people and being able to, you know, explain a, uh, kind of what's going on in the world and, and why, you know, what I'm offering is, is a good option. I, I enjoy meeting people and getting to know them on a pretty deep level, but um you know, since I found myself up here in Kansas City, I, you know, I, getting close with people and meeting people has been really important. So how did it start for you? Obviously, you know, always listen to, to the foundation where it started. You're up in a small Kansas in Eureka. Yeah. And you eventually made it to uh, Kansas City. What was the dream then? I mean, you, you grow up there. A lot of times people stay there. You wanted to get out like most of us do and experience the world. What, what was the foundation like there? You know, I loved Eureka. Uh, it was good. It was really great. It was fun, a really good place to grow up. And I've got, I have three younger brothers who are scattered throughout small town Kansas still. And I just always, I just had a feeling at a young age that I, I just wanted something more. I, I remember trips to Kansas City as a family being in awe with, you know, what a quote a big city could offer. And and I remember, you know, making a point to. Uh, read about, you know, different options and different careers and different ways of life that maybe a big city could could offer that, you know, a small community doesn't. And it was just something inside of me that said, you've got to get out of here, go to college and, and you know, appreciate where you're from. But I mean, my goodness, there's a lot more up here to offer. And, and I, it was just always something that pushed me to come. Yeah. Come that, up here. that gnawing, right? I don't, I mean, I, I can certainly relate to that. And sometimes though, when I look back on wisdom, that gnawing that I always had, and I've talked to, to many 
leaders and my mentors, and they had that gnawing too. And it, it's a fine line because I found myself that gnawing sometime was um, a little bit ego driven, right, and insecurity. And then, but now sure. I've gotten to the point now where I, I see the gnawing is about making the place better than I found it. Does, does that resonate with you when I say that? Absolutely. I mean, I didn't know what that gnawing was at the time. I mean, I, yeah. I, I just, um, I don't, without sounding arrogant, I mean, I just kind of knew I was just maybe a little bit different and, and it was, no, I, get I, it. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. If that makes sense. It makes and sense. It makes sense. Looking back, I can see, well, okay, this is something that was just, it was something telling me you need to get out and go do something different. Um, I, and that doesn't discredit where I'm from at all. No, I, no, don't, no, no. I don't want to at all, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just something. Yeah, I, gotta, yeah, I, 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 I get it. I mean, yeah, it's, I guess I got to be careful when I say it because I know what you mean about coming across as being arrogant because, but I, I do think a lot of, t- I, I think the vast majority of us are born with that, that gnawing. And I think sometimes though we settle and we tell ourselves, and it, again, the gnawing, when I say settle, your in your definition of significance is is highly personalized, right? What you consider significant and success is, is totally defined by you, not by society, Absolutely. culture, and expectations, right? If you can get authentically in tune with that and clear, that's what I mean. That you need to follow that gnawing, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's some people call it a calling. I mean, I've um, some people call it a, a mission in their life. I mean, there's a lot of definitions for it, but. At the end of the day, there is something pulling me to to run my own business and to be um, successful in a different kind of way. I um, I joke, my family jokes. All of my brothers, their careers have led them to a place where they're serving others. Um, if it's in the education world, or if it's through the criminal justice world, or or whatever it may be, I uh, I'm just the greedy business guy who, uh, <laughs> who spends every day trying to learn how to make a buck and. Um, but it just kind of was always that way. I, you know, and, and you know, credit to them for, you know, going their direction towards what was calling them. But for me, it was always, you know, run your own business and find a way to be your definition of successful. So here it is. Would you say that you, you've met your expectations, your goals of where you want to go? I mean, I mean, I don't no. think we ever fully arrived. So, so that's my next question then. Where are you taking this? Where do you see yourself as you were constantly shifting and morphing and listening to that inner voice? And where do you want to take this? I mean, if you could look look forward, what are you trying to achieve now, you think? You know, I it's funny. I remember a conversation I had as a young kid with my uh, my my father. And he and I are very close. I love him to death. And I told him my, my goal in life was to have two things. Um, a very, very happy marriage with kids and a happy family and you know, have that loving family that my family has, but I wanted to do it so that money wasn't an object right. and I was financially secure so that I could raise my family in an environment that was different than, you know, how, how I was raised. Um, he challenged me at that point. I credit him for doing it in, in a very positive way. He, he challenged me and, and pushed me, explained to me how difficult that would be. I am not there. I have a happy family. I've got a, you know, two great boys and a wife that, you know, does a phenomenal job with them. But, um, you know, it's, there's always that end game and I'm always kind of pushing myself to, to get to that next level. 
Well, and that's that's what I find fascinating because I am too. And then sometimes, and I've talked about this on the show with all transparency. Twelve years ago, I got sidetracked, you know, because I was. I, I don't like the term work life balance. I don't think that's. I think that's a myth. I think it's always about priorities, right? And sometimes, yeah. sometimes the family, the kids have to sacrifice because the priority is this, and vice versa, right? And, and I think if you can look at life that way, that it's a series of priorities, then, then the game becomes, okay, I need to make sure what is the priority, right? And it's different than trying to balance work and life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, wouldn't you say though, in addition to that, like once you know what your priorities are, if those priorities are working 80 hours a week to earn a huge paycheck or spending as much time at home with family and kids as you want, or somewhere in between, once you know what those priorities are, doesn't that create that work-life balance that so many people use as a cliche phrase? I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. But it's but it's a I think it's a it's a shifting. The priority list is is a living, breathing thing, right? Yeah. And no, it so, changes all the time. I mean, I have different priorities now than I did when I was in my right. 20s or uh, when I was uh, in high school. Yeah. And so for me, the key has become. And see, and I almost got divorced twelve years ago because my. I thought the priorities were this, but what, if I was completely honest, I was, it was my ego talk. I was trying to satisfy, um, the ego side of me. You know what I mean? Meaning that the hard stuff of dealing with the challenges with the family and the marriage was too hard. And it was easy when I was in the workplace where everybody was telling me how great I was. Right. And mentors taking me and telling me how sharp I am. And then it starts going to my head. And, and then I do start working 70, 80 hours a week because that's what was feeding my ego. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it, we are as a, as, as a human race, human species, we are um, driven by that ego. And when you're yeah. pumped up and pumped up and told you, you know, you're so good at your job and you're so great at this and, yeah, man, you're in line for promotion. You are naturally driven to you know, embrace that. I mean, I think there's a chemical that is maybe that is, I'm not a scientist, man, but I got a chemical that's released that says, and this is where you need to be. And um, I don't know, I, th I think that ego is really important to everyone. Yeah, but I think it's, if you can become the awareness of when it's, when it's kind of taking over and, and, and the awareness of, okay, what am I trying to do here? How can I add value? To me, the, sh the shift was when I started looking at it, okay, how can I add value in this transaction? You and I are working together. I'm brand new. Instead of worrying about myself, I go external and say, how can I help David in his business? Right. I'm always constantly thinking, how can I add value and not expecting anything in return? To me, that's the challenge because if I'm going, well, I'm going to do this for David. So David will give me X, Y, Z then that's the ego. If I go, I'm just going to pour my life into David and his business because I care about him and I love what he's doing. I love being part of his team. Right. And then, then all that stuff I was seeking anyway, directly gets exponentially filled. If that makes sense. If, if I don't chase it directly and I go at it authentically with awareness and clarity, then all the stuff I was chasing anyway, gets, gets overflowing. I think anybody who's achieved a, a certain level of success would echo you. And the idea that you, you have to spit, it's not about, how do I get, how do I say this? It's not about working really, really hard and doing everything you can possibly to, to make money from a greedy standpoint. And if you 
come into relationships um, honestly and authentically, to use your word. You you give back to the community. You are a genuine person in what you want to do. Good things follow you. I mean, yeah. and can find you at that point. Um, you know, if it's um, anything from you know giving back to to youths in the community or um, you know, finding, you know, that charity charitable organization, or just diving into a company and helping them, you know, solve a problem in their supply chain. Um, you know, those are all really important things to be, to make a part of your life to, to create that power. And it's probably if as a sales expert, I mean, I'm not one, but I mean, I've, I've done sales. I still do sales, <clears throat> but I find if you look at the, the really tremendous, successful, significant sales people that we look up to, that's how they approach sales, right? They don't approach it as, you know, they're not looking at a, at a business transaction is this is my commission that I'm going to exactly. make. I'm going to take on this much money and they can look at it fully and say, this is my relationship with Richard. He is, um, you know, doing this for a living and he, and this is how I can help him out the best. And over time, to play the long game, you're going to come out more successful doing it that way. For sure. Yeah. So how, can I ask how old you are? What, what, 38. 38. 38. What would you tell yourself, the 18, you know, 20 years back, looking back with this kind of that 20 years of wisdom and looking at, oh, this is where I've, I've, I've gone to and arrived and, and looking for this where I'm going. What advice would you have given yourself at 18? Um, as you're starting out. Yeah, no, it's a good question. I, I was, uh, and people who know me uh, would laugh when I say this now, but I was such a quiet person for a long time. And I, you know, we moved in the middle of high school and I didn't adjust well to that. And I was really, you know, poor at making friends. And I, uh, I just, I would, I would look at that person and just tell them, you know, you just, you come out of that shell a little bit and have a little bit more confidence in who you are and, um, you know, find an interest in other people uh, opposed to, you know, being so consumed with, you know, who you are and who you want to be. Cause, um, there's a lot of good you can do in the world, but, um, but yeah, that, you just show a little bit. That is the challenge yeah. of, of being an introvert. Right. And, um, are you, do you consider yourself an introvert now still? Are you an not, introvert? Now. not now? No, not You're more at all. Extroverted. I'm very extroverted now, but I didn't used to be Yeah, I used to be very quiet and, um, you know, uh, building relationships were, were a challenge for me. Um, back in, you know, late teens, early twenties. And is it one of your favorite things now to do is to build relationships? Like, no, we talked about that in the beginning, but is that, do you look forward to that, I guess, or does it, there's a level of anxiety still, if you're at a networking event, do you feel anxious or do you feel excited? I am at my best in a small group or one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Um, I'm a member of a handful of networking groups where you get 300 people into a room and, I just, I don't think that unless you're really intentional about that, a lot of positives can come out of it. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. How can you build a really close relationship with someone when there are 298 people trying to do the same thing? I don't, but you put me in a, I enjoy, really enjoy being in a room with five or six, 10, 12 people. And, you know, you can really accomplish something really, really, really um, impactful that way. Yeah. I'm with you on that one too. I think, I, yeah. I, and my, I relate to what you're saying because same way, I think, I, I don't know if I was a shy kid. Uh, I wasn't shy all that much, but I was definitely introverted. I'm still more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. I can be extroverted. I love getting up on stage. I love speaking. I love meeting new people, but I'm with you. I'm more of a relater than I am 
uh, hey, everybody, look at me type, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I think it's important to really care about who you're talking to. And yeah, I think I agree. a relator can do that. Yeah. Yeah. You seem like a relator to me. And I think it just seems like yeah. that. I can just tell by the way you talk and the things that, that you're passionate about. You see, yeah, I can get that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest-growing banks by working side-by-side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. So what are the challenges as you know, you've been a, a successful sales manager, sales leader? Uh, did you even consult on that? Did I read that right? Were you, when you consulted in your business, is that what you focused on? Was it, was it uh, sales or was it more advertising? Well, uh, both. I, I run a, the largest locally owned billboard company here in Kansas city with, you know, about 200 billboards. Um, there are a lot of, you know, most of the Casey Metro and, uh, St. Joe and Topeka and, 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 you know, a few other small communities. I also have a consulting company where I work with um, businesses that are and are not um, billboard clients, uh, work with them on their day-to-day consulting through their, some of their needs that maybe aren't related to advertising at all. We have um, during the advertising process found a bottleneck um, in their, uh, company, um, maybe personnel problems, maybe something else, um, a supply chain breakdown, and we've we've worked through that with them, and it's allowed me to um, take the billboard business and turn it into a uh, a consulting business as well. Yeah, the billboard business fascinates me because it seems like, and again, I don't know much about it. I have a friend of mine who's uh, has a buddy that's trying to, and I don't know the guy, but my, one of my best friends through life, he's, he's getting recruited by a billboard guy down here in, in Wichita. And so I know just on the surface about the business, but it seems like it's one of those businesses that regardless of what's happening from the technology front, it's almost immune because everybody's still, there's only more and more people driving, right? I mean, I don't know. Speak to me a little bit about that. It does. How much is, I don't know, the social media revolution of the last 15, 20 years, 15 years, particularly has impacted the billboard business. Well, I mean, the absolute, I will, the, the social media revolution has impacted everyone everywhere. Sure. So to say it hasn't changed our business at all is, is completely false, but it, um, it has turned into a situation where marrying 
the lack of technology that a sta- static billboard offers and all that social media can do, those two medias work really well hand in hand together. Yeah. And, um, how the consulting company that I have uh, took flight was doing just that. We started geofencing our billboards. We started um, you know, running campaigns socially, uh, promoting the boards and using the, the, the billboards themselves in areas that we're targeting with our social media so that we can, um, we can reach the customer at home while they are uh, on their you know, computer or cell phone or tablet but we can also reach them during their commute to work. And we, um, we can accomplish that with two medias that are very, very different, but they work very, very well together. Yeah, I see that. I guess I never really looked at it that way, but I mean, I, I can see how that makes sense, sense particularly if you can geofence it and you can tie it together from what you're seeing on the screen. And then maybe Yeah, I mean, I can take a billboard, um, run a campaign on it for, let's say, um, a car dealership. And then I can use technology of uh, the you know, social media and uh, mobile mobile marketing. I can geofence the billboard and the car dealership, um, as well as the zip codes around the um, the billboard, and reach that person uh, as a, on their morning commute, but also reach them at home on their tablet. And then what's great about it is we turn around by geofencing the car dealership. We can find out if someone within our target base has gone to the dealership. That's um, cool. Yeah. We're able to, you know, communicate differently with, you know, this said car dealer uh, than we have ever been able to before. That's cool. I mean, it's fun. I mean, we have, we have a lot of fun with it. Um, it's, it's allowed us to have different conversations with customers. Um, and, and again, I mean, they're, any small business owner is in need of somebody, in my opinion, who can give them an honest approach about marketing because any joker can, can come through and say, you know, this is what's best for you. Um, I just think if we're honest in our approach, it, it, it's better for everyone. Well, th- yeah, that, uh, absolutely. But I think it just, it shows me. And again, I don't know how much of this has been, been intentional on your part, but the ability to pivot as things are changing. And that's kind of what I meant about when you look at billboards, it's one of those, it won't, doesn't necessarily have to go away. It's just kind of pivoting and changing and combining with what's, what's there. It can make for a pretty powerful combination. Yeah, it's not going away. It's, it's not going the way that the newspaper has. Right, or right. Those. Or it's, magazines, yeah. No, I mean, and it's it's a media that is nationally been increasing from a revenue standpoint year over year. And the the campaigns are getting longer. I mean, it's it's a solid media right now. People really like the simplicity of it. Yeah, because there's so much out there that's not simple, uh, including what I just described about the car dealer. That is, people like the simplicity a lot. Well, and, and plus the, that, and then plus with the technology now, you're able to give some value to your client and say, "Well, hey, look, this was effective because of this." Where t- 15, 20 years ago, you couldn't have done that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you've got. Some of the digital boards that you guys, you know, see around. I know there's a lot of them in Wichita. Um, we have plenty of them in Kansas City. They can do some some really unbelievable things, um, including, um, you know, campaigns that can read emblems on cars and change the message based on that. And you can change your message based on the weather or you know how long the wait is at the emergency room. So, um, 
there's some really cool things you can do with some of the digital boards. I saw something, and this isn't necessarily related to billboards, but I saw Delta Airlines is going to unveil, and I don't quite understand this technology, but it's on some of the, as passengers are getting off their plane, and somehow it's reading their phones and it knows. And so you and I, say you're going to San Francisco and I'm going to Poughkeepsie, and we just got off this flight, we're both would be looking at the board and we would only see our own, our own connecting information. So even though you and I are looking at the same thing, you would see something different than I'm seeing. That's awesome. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that works, but they're they're, there. It's proven technology and they're going to enroll it here in one of these are in Atlanta in the next couple of years. That's cool. What's up? What's up? Moving the minority report. (laughs) I know. Right. Um, I love stuff like that. And I know a lot of people look at it and they, they hesitate because of the big brother aspect or whatever. I just figure that's a way, that's the way a lot of technology is going. You might as well jump on board. Yeah. Um, Cause there's so much you can do and there's so many, you know, cap- so much capability. It's, it's just great. I follow a lot of the, uh, the tech kind of investors and mentors who are looking way ahead, you know, and, and I like the guys that look at it at a positive angle instead of the doom and gloom. I mean, there's certainly, there's good in the, with that advancement, there's, there's a potential for evil and bad, but there's also the potential for exponential good as well. And I, I love listening to those guys and some of them, I mean, they, they think this next 10 years is just, <clears throat> you know, it's even difficult to look back 10 years from now in 2010 and it's looks a little different than 2020, but they said the difference between 2030 and 2020 is going to be exponential compared to 2020 and 2010. Oh, it's heading that way. I mean, I'm, like I said, like I said earlier, I've got two, I have two young boys and uh, they're, you know, three and one, and they're going to grow up in a world where technology is such a uh, driving force in their life. If, yeah. uh, if I don't get on board with it, I'm going to just be lost. So what is it as you're looking for it? I ask you kind of look back. So now let's look at the other 20. Where do you want to be when you're 58 approaching 60? What, what, what are you kind of steering towards now? Um, You know, I, I really see the consulting company um, and what we're doing from a mobile and geofencing uh, standpoint taking off. I think that, um, you know, I've always had that urge to, you know, 100% call my own shots, be my own boss and, and, and run the world as I see it. And I, I think that's the direction things are going to go. The um, technology as it changes, uh, we, we want to definitely stay on top of that stuff. So we're aware of, of what's going on and what that next cutting edge part of mobile media is, um, you know, I think that that's where, um, I'm being tugged to next. If you want to bring the conversation full circle. Yeah. And what is the, what, if you could look at that, if you could say, what does a significant life look like for David English? Do you think as you're getting near the end? You know, I think it goes back a lot to that, uh, the, that original comment I made to my dad and the challenge he put forth. I, um, you know, I, I want to continue to, to have that happy life with the wife and the kids and, um, you know, have that successful part of, you know, a fa- the family and then um, continue to work to, to make sure that money's not that object and yeah. not an object that we're stressed about on a regular basis and, and find a way to make that happen so that we can live a, um, you know, a life where um, you know, we're, you know, as a family, as a group, as a company, uh, we're really in a good spot. And, and I think that's a challenge worth going for. Amen. As we wrap up here, I like a fun little question. I, I used to do this quite a bit. I haven't done this in a long time, but if you could have one night where you could have dinner with 
five people, live or dead, just to have this fascinating conversation? Who would those five people be? Um, I, I have not heard you ask that on a uh, podcast. Yeah, I it's, it's been a while. Listen. It's been a, been a few years. I used to ask it all the time, but it's a fun one. Um, you know, alive or dead, I, I, I would love to sit down with um, my guy, uh, Bill Self at KU. Oh, cool. Um, I, I want my father with me. Um, I think including, you know, Martin Luther uh, King Jr. on in there would be fun. Um, and I think that uh, what, I'm at three now. I've got two yep, more. Three, two more. Um, God, I don't know. Um, let's go with uh, Abraham Lincoln. Good choice. And, uh, you know, what's a good philosopher from back in the day? Um, you know, someone who uh, is not around anymore. Not a Gandhi type personality, but someone similar, someone who just, you know, looked at the world maybe a little bit differently than. Um, well, you could go big. You could go either the Buddha, you could go with Jesus Christ, you could go with. Uh, Jesus. Let's go with Jesus Christ. That's a good one. We'll yeah. just, we'll just get the whole mix going in. And that's if fun. we got to kick Bill Self off that table, we can. Well, you got to have, I mean, I think that's a good, that's a good mix. I mean, you got to have your dad there. Everybody. And you'd be surprised how many people, almost everybody invariably has one family member in there, which I think is cool. Yeah. It says a lot about the individual. I think having Bill Self there, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I mean, that's someone that you, and I think he would add to the conversation, right? Because he would be just as excited about your list like you. And so you, you two could probably feed off each other. You know what I mean? So I think, yeah. he would, I think he would add to the conversation, man, having Martin Luther King, that would be huge. That would be great. Everybody would be great. I would love to see how he sees how, how he saw, sees the world now. And, yeah, I, um, I've thought of that too. To where it was, um, I would love his, his his take on it, and then having him and and Abe Lincoln there at the same time. I think they would they would love to because uh, they're both very high minded, philosophy oriented people as well. Yeah, but then then the kicker is you got Jesus at the table. Would he dominate the conversation? He probably wouldn't, but he would. He, everybody would be paying attention to him, right? They would be looking at him, including Hello. Abe and Martin Luther. Everybody would be like, "Oh my gosh!" And it would be up to him. It, Jesus would have to do something to break the ice, so everybody wouldn't be so nervous. He would be. You, you'd be at the head of the table. Um, <laughs> I think that. I think there would be interesting conversations. Here. Yeah, that'd be great. I like that list. That's a good list. I like it. Very cool, man. Anyway, it's kind of fun. It just kind of shows what, what people value. Would you believe it or not? And I never played this interview. I did that question with a guy. This is about three or four years ago. And <laughs> a guy without hesitating, and he will remain nameless, but he, um, and I never aired this interview, but he didn't, he, without hesitation, he said, um, Adolf Hitler. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, okay, well, I can see why. Can I ask why? And I thought it would be, well, because I'd ask him, you know, why was he such a maniac and blah, blah, you know, where did it go wrong? And he actually said, well, you know, love him or hate him. And I'm like, well, who loves him? You know? And I, was, and it just kept getting worse. And he's just like, you know, because I just want to understand his leadership, blah, blah, blah. He started, I'm like, dude, I was like, do you really? Anyway, it was So bad. you said that you haven't asked that question for a very long time. Um, and then you shared with me the story of this gentleman whose name was, is he the reason you stopped asking the question? I think, yeah, I think it was kind of, that was one of the reasons I think, I, I think, I think shortly thereafter, I think I, I, I stopped using it. And then, um, and I think I remember I got some feedback, I think from a listener saying, 
hey, you know, enough with that. Or I mean, not that that was the driver. I mean, that was just one person. But I thought, well, maybe I'll just mix it up. And it was fun. I did it there for for for. I did it for about eight months to a year, and it was fun. And we got some great answers. And I would never tell the person I was gonna. Yeah. Even if they had like a list of things, like, hey, because sometimes people are like, well, what are you gonna ask me? And I'm like, well let's just have a natural conversation. It's going to be in this umbrella framework, but I'd always spring it on them regardless. And it was but I, uh, I, with my small little podcast that I have, I, um, I have a listener that is from uh, Norway and, and this podcast is dedicated to Kansas city. I mean, it's, right. it's not, I, I don't know why the individual it's a lady and why she's listening to the podcast in the first place. I appreciate it. But um, you talk about listener feedback. I will get, three to four emails from her every time I publish an episode. Isn't that crazy? And, and, and they're all, you know, genuinely good questions. I appreciate it. I always respond. She's so nice. I have yet to muster up the, um, I don't know if strength is the right word, but the curiosity to ask her, why are you even listening to this? Because oh, you should, must have some kind of Kansas city ties. It's the only reason it makes sense. I would ask her. Yeah. That's just, that's awesome. I mean, that's the power of podcasting and connecting and that's why I love doing it. And a similar yep. thing happened to me long three or four years ago. And I was like, I could see the downloads. I could see the people that are listening to the show. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of people, listening. but I wasn't hearing from anybody. And then, just kind of when I was low, the universe kind of reached out and this, I got this email this out of the blue about a guy from in South Africa and he had a small team <laughs> of seven or eight individuals and in some business, some, some small business in South Africa. And every Wednesday night they would, you know, I don't know, get order in food, pizza or something. And they sit around and they listen to my show. And then they have a discussion about it. And I was like, what? Isn't that great? <laughs> and I That's was so like, cool. wow. You know, so yeah, so it's just kind of cool to do it. And even though, yeah, I didn't get anything directly from him, but he certainly filled the emotional bank about me doing this, right? So, yeah, cool. I love it. Well, this has been a fun conversation, David. I, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about you and AdTrend? Uh, how can people reach out to you? You know, I think the best place, I'll send them to the same place I do for my podcast, and that's you know, D English at ad hyphen trend trend.com that's my work address i'm you know i'm where it's where i'm most accessible um you know, i'm all over you know linkedin of course you can find me there too um you know english is you know just how it sounds so uh yeah i'd love to hear from anyone and you know we um i, I really appreciate coming on you um before you reached out to me i was listening to you and it was, it was, I really appreciate the ability to talk. Well, it's been fun. I mean, I can tell you're one of the good ones and I'm, I'm proud to have you in the dose of leadership circle. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come here. And it was a fun conversation. Thanks for coming on. Likewise, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this special entrepreneurial and leadership series, the dose of leadership brought to you by my friends at equity bank. Make sure you to subscribe to dose of leadership where you can hear more great stories in this unique and special series. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a listen to all of my Dose of Leadership podcasts and all of my episodes and see why Fortune, Entrepreneur, and Inc. Magazine all recommend this as a must-listen. Dose of Leadership features candid conversations with amazing guests, leading high-performing experts and organizations, large and small, all over the world. Find Dose of Leadership on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and go ahead and visit doseofleadership.com where you can find out more information about the show, myself, my speaking engagements, my keynotes, live seminars, and my mastermind events. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day.